Hi everybody, my name is Irvin and I'm here with my friends Kyle Hi. and John. Greetings. And this is the Theology Podcast. So our church has been on a conversation, on a journey about what it means to partake in God's mission for his church and the mission that he's doing in the world. And we're trying to rethink that because we sometimes have a certain idea of missions that we're realizing hmm, doesn't always square away with what God is saying in scripture. So I just want to ask um, my friends here about what typically comes to mind when we think about the word mission in our context. Kyle? Yeah. So, you know, typically when we think about missions, we think about somebody packing up their family and they move overseas to go somewhere. They have like large campaigns or, you know, door knocking campaigns or leafleting or whatever it is. And so it's a very structured, organized program in terms of what we think about with missions. Uh, we always compartmentalize that within our church. So we have, we have our benevolence, we have evangelism and outreach, which happens within our local community and within our church. But then when we talk about missions, we usually talk about grabbing your passport and your suitcase and mm, going somewhere mm-hmm, else. Mm-hmm, we don't yeah. typically think about it being something here uh, mm. or relevant to us in a very mm. direct way, aside from funding missionaries to go somewhere else. Mm. And, mm. and you, you know that pretty well because uh, you spend some time in Cambodia and yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so my family, yeah. we spent seven years in Cambodia, uh, my wife and my kids, but also when I was younger, that's how I grew up. My mm-hmm. family were a missionary family, mm-hmm. uh, which is always so interesting to me because we always were treated differently when we come back to our supporting congregations or, you know, we'd spend time with people and then find out you're a missionary. Oh, wow. And that kind of changes the dynamic of the relationship. Uh, but, you know, the other side of that also is you don't find that word in the Bible. The missions is not something that we find in scripture, uh, at least that word specifically. And so to rethink that might be a helpful exercise. Mm. Well, for myself, I think growing up with the idea of missions, uh, I think it was very similar to what Kyle mentioned. So my experience with it was through what we call mission trips, which was like a one, two week kind of thing, sometimes even one month uh, to a congregation uh, in an overseas country, kind of like a humanitarian trip in a way with a spiritual element added onto it, build houses, paint houses, give out clothes, food and stuff like that. And um, there was always this sense of, oh, I've got to help somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like our conception of missions has to do with packing up and going somewhere else, often to serve people that we can bless, that we can give them something that we have that they don't have. Yeah. So that's also my conception. I remember mission trips were a time to hang out with friends, to... uh, to go on a trip to some other country, meet a bunch of children, often play with uh, village children and spend time with them, sing songs with them, celebrate Jesus with them, do vacation Bible studies with them. And that was always a really, that was fulfilling and meaningful. And then we would come home and then something about our lives would be slightly different. We would see life in a different light as a result of that mission trip. So that was something, that, that's what sticks in my mind when I think about missions. Which brings us to the question that Kyle was alluding to earlier. What does it look like to rethink God's mission in us, through us, through the church? So, and I know Kyle's been doing some thinking about 
what that means. Yeah. So, you know, as we explore that, one of the typical things that we think of, especially within churches, we think about these specific passages. We think about like the the Great Commission in Matthew 28, where Jesus says, go. And so we're always thinking about missions as kind of equated with going. Uh, you have to go and do something. You have to go go somewhere else, somewhere that's not your passport country in order for mission to happen. Uh, and so we think about it in terms of these specific passages that are found in the Gospels, where Jesus is kind of laying out his broad plan before he goes up into heaven. And it always emphasizes the aspect of going to another place outside of where Jesus and his, his apostles are right there in that moment. And they go and spread that gospel, that good news somewhere else. And so for us to, to kind of rethink that is to step back and to say, okay, where else does Jesus talk about his mission? What does that look like? And, you know, how does that affect us today and the way we typically have thought of missions? And one of the passages that we came across was Acts chapter 1, where Jesus is getting ready to go up into heaven again. This is kind of like Luke's second recap where he's like picking up like, you know, like at the the beginning of a new episode of something. They always give you the re- recap before that is like previously on so you know, on the show. So Luke's kind of doing that with Acts. Like previously in Luke, we had this event happen where Jesus is going up into heaven and he gives the commission, but he gives a more detailed version of it in Acts chapter 1. And I think it's really interesting that this Acts commission isn't so focused on the disciples making disciples, but the way he says it in Acts chapter one and verse eight is the thing that he leans into is you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that's the commission right there in the book of Acts. And so for us to rethink that is to think through, well, what does that mean? What does he mean by you will be my witnesses? And, you know, like it's really just a matter of this is God's plan. This is God's mission in the world. He had the plan to send Jesus to show us the best way for humans to live in his image. And so Jesus comes in the flesh and he proclaims the kingdom of God and he carries that out as the image bearer, the perfect image bearer of God. And then he commissions the disciples to do the same thing. Okay, you're going to be the image bearers as well. You're going to be filled with the spirit and the spirit spirit's going to transform you. And you're going to, you're going to bear witness to that. You're going to testify to that. And so that's really the rest of the book of Acts is how God's spirit works through these guys and girls, uh, these regular people who have been filled with his spirit and they get transformed into the image of God. And all these amazing things begin to happen as they form together in Jesus communities, as they share with their neighbors and they start talking about what God's been doing in the world and they testify to who Jesus is as the son of God. Uh, and so that's really the, you know, the heart of it in terms of what does it mean to be witness? Uh, and for us, we think about it in different ways, but one of the easy ways to do it was to think about what kind of difference can we make in the world as a witness for God's goodness, as a witness for who Jesus is as the king of our life and as image bearers. And to be, and to do that means to number one, be salt like Jesus says in Acts chapter, uh, sorry, Matthew chapter five, when he's talking about being salt, he talks about being light, and he talks about being a city on a hill. And that's really the essence of God's mission for his kingdom is to be salt, to add flavor, to be light, to add value to the world, the, the, the kingdom values of the world to where we're a stark contrast to the darkness. And then also to be a city to where when our light gathers together, it's kind of unavoidable. You can't help but see that city set up on a hill. Yeah. So that's kind of the long and short of it in terms of what is God's mission look like? And it's really about, well, what does it mean for us to be witnesses to God and his spirit and how he's transforming us. And that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, that's a really powerful understanding of what it means to be a witness for Christ, which is 
probably not what I thought of growing up when I read this passage because when I grew up reading You Will Be My Witnesses, what I heard of was you should go out there and convert people and tell people that Jesus is the Christ and that you need to be baptized otherwise you're going to hell. That's how I heard You Will Be Witnesses growing up. I wonder if perhaps we could talk a bit more about that tension between this idea of being witnesses as opposed to going and converting. I, I wonder if we could spend a bit of time on that. Yeah, tension. and and actually, and that comes down to like, how do we define witness and what is it that we're actually witnessing? And so one of the one of the key things is to think about, okay, if mission isn't just about what I do and where I go, but God's mission is something bigger than that, what does that look like for me? And so when I think about and reflect on this passage in Acts, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. Well, what does that mean for me to be a witness? I, I get it that, okay, these guys walked and talked with Jesus. They saw the miracles that he performed. That was actually very transformative for them. I mean, can you imagine seeing Jesus walk on water? You're going to be <laughs> live a life quite differently <laughs> from that when you know that there's somebody in the world that can have power over those things. And you see the resurrected Jesus and spend 40 days with him. That's going to have a permanent lasting effect on you. But what about people like me that I've only been able to read about that? Uh, how does that affect me. And I think what it comes down to is, how do I witness in the world today? How do I witness God working in my life? Like, how is that good news for me? How, you know, Jesus died, buried, and was resurrected. How is that good news for me? How does that change my life right now? Uh, aside from putting some sort of a burden on me in terms of the expectation to live a Christian life. That it should be something that is naturally a little outflowing from me. That's what a witness does. I mean, you can't help but tell somebody else what you've seen. Uh, you've been shocked by it. Even if you're like on the way home from work and you see an accident, you're going to tell your family and friends when you get home, even if it was a traumatic experience. Like, you're not going to believe what I saw today uh, because you're it, it, it overflows. It transforms you on the inside. It changes who you are, but you can't help but tell other people about it. And it's the same thing with God's mission. It's like if God's spirit is working on me, if God's spirit is transforming me, then there's going to be this natural outpouring of that, that this is good news for me. I'm enjoying what God's spirit is doing to me and changing me into his image. And I want to share that with other people. And so what does that look like for me? What does that look like as I interact with my neighbors, as I interact with my coworkers or my student, my classmates? Like, how do I notice that? How do, how do they notice that? I think that's a big issue. It's, it's almost as though when Jesus says, you will be my witnesses, it's not so much about them and their souls and what can I do to save them? It's what has, hap what has happened to me? What has Christ done in me? What's the Spirit mm. doing in me that I can share with others? That's a, mm. that's a shift of perspective right there. Yeah. Well, I mean, actually, we do this all the time if you think about it. Like if you uh, had this fantastic plate of chicken rice, you want to share it with somebody, right? Yeah. And you want to be posting about it on social media and stuff like that. And uh, I, I think that there's some similarity there. I mentioned the other day about how uh, I think our children are very good examples of what it means to witness because when they see something they like, they experience something that brings them joy, they can't wait to tell um, their daddy and mommy about it, mm. you know. So I think that there's a lesson that we can learn there from the, the joy that they bring when they witness about something, when they share good news 
What's good yeah. news to them? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a, that's a good point. And you think about it in, in relation to God's God's mission and what it means to witness. Being a witness is not just something that happens to me, but it's also something that happens through me because through that, I tell other people about that experience, whether it's uh, you know, children telling their parents something or me telling my friends about the best best chicken and rice I ever had. You know, like those types of things. It doesn't just happen to me as a personal experience and then I just am a passive observer. It transforms me and there's this outflowing that comes out of that that affects other people around me. So we've been bouncing around this word witness and telling people and being transformed. And so perhaps it might be helpful to go into some examples that the book of Acts gives about how certain characters become witnesses and live as witnesses. So what are some ways that the Spirit empowers these disciples to be witnesses in the book of Acts? I think about the deacon Stephen in Acts chapters 6 and following and how he is noted as someone who is full of the Spirit. And he's so full of the Spirit that the chief priests and the elders of the Jews, they come after him. And we have a long sermon where Stephen recounts the history of Israel and he, and he preaches the truth against the chief priests and the elders and, and the scribes and the Pharisees and so forth. And that kind of boldness, that's how I see the Spirit empowering him. This is probably an, an ordinary guy. He has, a, he has a Greek name. So to speak the story of Israel to the mm. supposed experts yeah. of the law, that kind of boldness, it seems it has to be Spirit-filled. Uh, and and that's, uh, I, I wish I could be that bold mm. sometimes when, <laughs> when I'm... Uh, when I see something in society and I, I want to speak against that, sometimes I long for the boldness that Stephen has through the Spirit. Yeah, I mean, what I see in the story of Stephen is how the way he was killed, he was actually described in very vivid terms uh, in a way that is similar to the description of Jesus' death as well. And um, it's almost as if in that moment, Stephen is being transformed into yeah. being like Jesus. And I think that's definitely the work of the Spirit there as well. That when someone puts on the Spirit of God, he becomes a child of God. Uh, and similarly, you become like Jesus to God as well. Yeah, Stephen dies by saying his as his final words, something to the effect of Father, forgive them. Mm. They have no idea yes. what they're doing. That's very yes. Jesus-y. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, to see that kind of a transformation in people in unexpected ways, I think those are signs of God's spirit working. And these are signs of people witnessing to what God is doing in their life. Not so much that they're focused on like changing other people, but they can't help but be a conduit through which the Spirit changes other people. We see that with the apostles in Acts chapter 2 when the when the Holy Spirit comes on them and then they go out and it's like, man, these guys are just regular fishermen and yet here they are speaking in tongues. People don't recognize that. They're like, what? Are they drunk? What's going on here? Uh, same thing with, with Paul. I mean, this guy is a hardcore radical Pharisee that holds the party line to the end to the point where he's persecuting people that are following the Jesus way. And yet he has this conversion experience on the road. And now suddenly he's the greatest witness to Jesus that ever was. Uh, and 
you know, can you imagine being a, a Christian who had heard the reputation of, of Saul and then immediately you have this guy that wants to interact with you and talk about how great Jesus is, was in his life and talks about his road, his experience on the road to Damascus. I mean, that's pretty shocking. Yes. That would be very unexpected. It must be a double agent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Be, everybody's <laughs> looking at this guy really suspiciously. But I think that's the power of the, of, of the spirit at work yeah. in him to become such a witness to, it's not so much that he's, he's worried about converting the whole world as priority number one, but he can't help but get to that priority mm. because of what's happening inside of him. Mm. And I think that's really the key. So I guess the question for us would be, you know, what, it, what would it look like to focus less on doing mission today and to focus more on being mission? Because when Jesus says, you will be my witnesses, he's saying, you will be the mission. You're the one, you are the ones through which the mission of God is going to be carried out. And so for us, it's like, well, what, what does that look like? Because it's more about the being and less about the doing. So if we've always associated mission or God's mission with what we do and where we go, then how do we change that? And I like joking around with this. And one of my favorite things is it's not humans doing, it's humans being, right? Mm -hmm. We're human beings. So how do, we, how do we change that mindset? How do we focus more on being God's mission? The first thing that comes to mind, what's fascinating for me in Acts chapter one is that as soon as Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses in all these places, but wait and don't do anything. And I wonder if that's not an accident. The waiting was not an inconvenience. Uh, it was not a delay on God's part. It was formational, perhaps. Oh yeah, maybe like I, a, a I, yeah. spiritual discipline of theirs. Mm. Of waiting, yeah. of prayer. And so I wonder in our context, being witnesses must incorporate prayer and not just the sort of, oh, I'm going to pray before I eat and I'm going to say a couple of lines before I go to bed or when I wake up, which are good things, of course. Mm. But this is not just the activity of prayer, but a whole attitude of prayer mm. where we spend all of life just constantly trying to listen for the Spirit maybe even setting aside specific prayer times to be still purposefully mm. and invite God to speak to us through his word, through mm. his spirit, and then just wait. Mm. That seems to be uh, in, in our society, in hectic Singapore, mm. waiting is something I think we, we don't do very well. And I think this mm. is something that challenges us. It challenges me to wait with intentionality mm. yeah yeah I, I think that in uh the hectic life of singapore definitely doing seems to be something we're a lot more familiar with you know got a checklist take it off um be efficient <laughs> yeah. right yeah and and um i think that uh learning to be rather than to do is a big mind shift for for myself especially you know and i think it is it gets challenging because of all the different layers that come into it. Uh, I mean, part of it is the theology, you know, understanding how God calls us to be His mission rather than to do His mission, mm. that we, we are the mission, you know. Uh, I think that's one part of it. Culturally, there's another part as well. And then I think personality also comes in because sometimes um, we find that some of us are more inclined to doing. We're more task-oriented. Some of us are a little more being. Um, you may call it like conceptual, people-oriented. So we all have our inclinations. But um, I guess for those of us who 
need to have something, some handle, you know. I, I got I to gotta, uh, have a list of things to do. Uh, I think what has helped me is to uh, put that being on my list as well. So for example, thinking of how I want to be still. You know, every morning I want to be still. I want to be his mission. So, so in the mornings I ask myself, am I ready to be God's mission today? So mm. it's, it's not specifically a task to check off. It's not, mm. have I spoken to three people today? Uh, mm. But it's more yeah. of, um, am I ready to be God's mission today? And that's still something that I can hold on to and I can uh, say, okay, I, I want to be faithful with that. So I think maybe that's something that we can consider if we, we long for a bit more of a handle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would also, yeah, I would add to that and just kind of to tie a bow on this conversation mm. and to think about it. It's like, you know, it's hard for us to transition away from being task-oriented. Mm. So, you know, for us to think about the church on mission we temp- typically want to lean into, okay, let's mobilize a door knocking campaign next yeah. next Saturday <laughs> yeah. or whatever. And there's nothing wrong with that because yeah. a lot of people have come to faith because of those types of, of interactions because of that kind of activity. And so I don't think that we should stop those types of things altogether. But what would it look like if we as a church, as we as a body of believers, we said, you know, we're going to lean into being God's mission more than mm. doing the tasks. Mm. What if we woke up every day, like what you're saying, Irvin, and we, you know, our prayer was, Spirit, open my eyes to the opportunities around me today in this moment. Mm. And I don't know what that looks like. I doesn't mean I have to carry a track in my back pocket ready mm. to share with somebody or a card with all of the worship times on it from, from my congregation. But mm. what would it look like to be that open to God's spirit prompting me to mm. interject into this conversation or to pull this person aside because I noticed their behavior today, uh, is it, they might need something in particular or mm. someone that God's putting on my heart that's much heavier than typically I would expect mm. from. What if we were listening to those prompts of the spirit? Well, what kind of a church would we be? Uh, well, how would that change us? I say we'd be a church that is uh, a church full of witnesses, a transformed and transforming church as well. Yeah, very spirit-led. Yeah. Mm. Sounds like a church that I read about in the book of Acts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's all for this week on the Theology Podcast. See you next week.